Well, good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Anita J, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, March 12th, and it's the 7 a.m. meeting. Linda Today D, Jersey, thank you for your service. Thanks, Linda. We started. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are in Bill's story, and we are on the top of page 13, the very first paragraph, just three little lines. At the hospital, I was separated, and the comments will be on that paragraph. Today's readers are, for the OA 12 Steps, Javi K., for the 12 Traditions, Jackie M. And readers of the text this morning are Allison L., Rebecca F., and as our backup, Jason S. The share ID numbers for yesterday, Monday, March 11th, for the 7 a.m. meeting was 12,643. 12643. And for the 10 a.m. meeting is 12,645. 12645. Later on, our newcomer greeters, Naomi B., and we're going to turn the meeting eventually over to Sandy W. All right. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our, o, our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry the message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You, Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Javi Kay to read OA's 12 steps. Good morning, Anita. Good morning, everyone. My name is Javi Kay, a recovered compulsive overeater from Brooklyn, New York. The 12 steps, one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, 
lead a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admit it to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Have a wonderful day, everyone. I pass. Thank you so much, Fabi. Uh, Now asking Jackie M. to read Always 12 Traditions. Good morning, everyone. This is Jackie M. from New York, recovered today by God's grace. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OAA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service. Have a great day. I pass. Thank you very much, Jackie M. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing. 
and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass and then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. So today we are resuming our study of the big book and we are on page 13, which is really a good part of Bill's story concentrating only on that little paragraph I was separated from. So I've asked um, Allison L. to get us started. Good morning. Good morning. At the hospital, I was separated from alcohol for the last time. Treatment seemed wise, for I showed signs of delirium tremens. Okay, so this is Allison L. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Ohio. And uh, the delirium tremens they're talking about here is those are the withdrawal symptoms that alcoholics have when they're separated from their alcohol. I forgot to time myself, Anita, so sorry, I'll keep an eye on it. I got it. Don't worry. Um, thank you. Thank you. So the withdrawal symptoms, um, some examples for alcoholics would be shaking, confusion, hallucinations, and I don't ever want to forget the pain of the withdrawal from my compulsive eating and and the pain I felt in entire abstinence. It was physical pain, emotional, lots of emotional pain, the restlessness, irritability, not wanting to, to show up for life, um, wanting to hide, wanting to rage. Um, it was extremely painful to be without my compulsive eating and compulsive behaviors. Um, and so being in that pain, um, and it was more painful after my relapse than it was the very first time that I got abstinent because the disease is progressive. And so the recovery um, would, gets harder and harder for me um, after each relapse. It was harder and harder to become abstinent. Um, and I was not hospitalized. I didn't have anybody to keep me from picking up the food. I had to cope with the withdrawal myself. So I kind of had to put myself in an ICU within my regular life so I could stay abstinent long enough to work through the steps and have the spiritual awakening. Um, this meant carrying out my everyday life and duties, taking care of my kids and my family, fulfilling my commitments, the ones I wasn't able to you know, cancel or get out of, um, and to get through the physical, mental discomfort, the restlessness, emotional buildup, rage, self-pity, just to name a few of my own withdrawal symptoms. Um, and I had to use the tools um, every day to get through um, the steps quickly while abstinent. I had to have an action plan each day, readily accessible, because when the thoughts would come um, that eating would solve what was being what was painful to me at the time, I needed to have a list in front of me. What am I going to do instead? Um, and that action plan included tools, but it also included other ideas that other compulsive eaters gave me to distract myself until those thoughts would pass and I could stay abstinent to work the steps. And as I worked through the steps, the withdrawal symptoms and the pain 
of entire abstinence, it began to decrease in frequency, intensity, and duration um, as I kept working through the steps. And um, the last time I was separated from um, my compulsive um, eating and food behaviors, it was two and a half years ago. And God willing, that will be the last time I have to go through that if I keep doing this work every day with all of you. Um, and um, I'll pass with that. Thanks, Anita. Thank you so much, Allison. All right. In keeping with the last couple of months, those of you who have shared the uh, last two times we've been on the line, please uh, let others um, have the opportunity. So who would like to share? Harlan G. This Harlan is Larry K. And Nancy Larry, P. Nancy P. Anyone else been separated from the... Okay, Harlan, go for it. All right. Thank you, Anita. And this, I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. Bill Wilson has been visited by his friend, Ebby, and Ebby has taken him to some Oxford group meetings. And Ebby and Bill have been going uh, every day to the Oxford group meetings from the end of November until the 11th of, G of December. On the 11th of December, 1934, now Bill is still drinking. Bill is still drinking. The 11th of December, 1934, at approximately 8 p.m. in the evening, Bill Wilson walks into the town's hospital in New York City, and Dr. Silkworth has an emesis thing under somebody's mouth, and he's tending to a patient. Silkworth sees Bill in the hall waving a bottle of gin. He is drunk. He has been to an Oxford group meeting. He is waving the bottle of gin, telling Dr. Silkworth, I have found something. And since Dr. Silkworth sees the bottle of gin, he assumes this is what he found. And he tells Bill Wilson to go upstairs, get undressed, and get to bed, and that he'll be up there in a minute to tend to him. On the 11th of December, Bill is put to bed. On the 12th and the 13th, he is completely sober. And on the 14th of December, 1934, as tomorrow we're going to read the sections where Bill is actually going to go through the six-step program of action that the Oxford groupers had, what we will know as the 12-step program, what are we learning from this paragraph? What is imperative and historical about the paragraph that we read today? What is imperative to know is that we must be, not should be or could be, must be separated from our binge foods, from our alcohol, before we begin working the steps. And this should put to bed any debate over this subject, which seems to be debated very hotly. But this should put it to bed. If this is a textbook, and we have decided that it is the text of our program, Bill is separated from his alcohol before working the steps. Yes, he went to Oxford group meetings, but he will not achieve a spiritual experience 
until separated from the alcohol. So this is a very important lesson, and this paragraph is extremely historic. This will be the third of three hospitalizations that will be recounted in this book, and this will be it. The, the next time he goes into that hospital, he will walk in sober, he will walk in with the intent of helping other alcoholics. So this paragraph is quite historical. Tomorrow and the next day and the day after and the day after that, we're going to see Bill's transformation through these steps, and he's going to get another book called The Varieties of Religious Experience by William James that is going to be brought to him by Ebby, and we're going to see the world change on its axis and it will bring light and warmth into the shivering cave of alcoholics and us as compulsive overeaters. Thank God for these giants who walked before me. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Harlan. All right, Larry, good morning. Good morning, Anita. Oh, thanks for your service. <clears throat> so the, um, th this is where things are, are going to turn for Bill. And I, and I think I, I need to pay attention, particular attention to this, because it may mean the difference between life and death for us in 2019. So I'm going to pay attention to this. It's a short paragraph. You know, if, remember, like us, Bill had periods of abstinence, like Harlan said, you know, but things became worse over time. And he was frustrated, just as frustrated as I was when I kept going back to the very thing that was killing me. And he's at this stage that every alcoholic reaches before they, they, they get to that tipping point. You know, the stage at which, we, you know, we have, to, we have to eat just so that we can get to normal. And that's what Bill, um, you know, he's, he's still drinking. And here's the reality. Someone on this line binged last night. I know because I, I used to be that person. And they hate their situation and their self-loathing. And we are Bill Wilson. We are, just 85 years later. And now we read that Bill was separated from alcohol for the last time. So if I, if I cut to the chase, how, do I, how can I say that? How can, how can I get to that place where I can reflect back and say, I was separated from my binge foods for the last time? Because it wasn't Ebby that separated him. It wasn't the treatment at the hospital that separated him for the last time. You know, there, here's the good news or the bad news. Depends on, you know, which way you, you perceive it. The only thing that separated Bill from alcohol for the last time was an effective spiritual awakening, a sustainable spiritual transformation. It had to be, right? It had to be that. And how does a compulsive overeater get to this point? Well, the first thing is they, in my experience, you have to put the food down first, 100%. That's the rub. And Bill became this transformed person by doing the work after he put the food down. And then God came in. God cannot work with the contemptuous among us. I know that because I, I was one of those people. God couldn't work with me as long as I remained scornful as long as my actions showed that I was full of contempt prior to investigation. So until he accepted his powerlessness in the manner that, you know, that would be necessary, we, we simply do not get to this, to this free, we don't get this freedom. 
And Bill realized that spirituality and organized religion were not the same things, that all that was needed was a willingness to acknowledge a greater force, something greater than himself. So this forms the basis. He, like Harlan said, he had to put the, put the substance down first, 100%. Where's my timer? And once he did that, then he can embark very quickly. Watch how rapidly. We'll see. That how free do I want to be? With that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks so much, Larry. Good morning, Nancy P. You are up. Hi, Miss Anita. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks for calling on me. Yeah, Nancy P. from the Boston area. So, um, you know, I had had years, decades of being in and out and in and out, and I never could, I did everything that people have said in the near past. You know, I couldn't enjoy my eating, nor could I enjoy my abstinence. I couldn't do either, never mind both. And um, when I was finally brought to my knees and I made that fateful phone call, um, you know, I was finally willing, desperate enough to um, pay attention and shut my mouth or use my mouth half as much as my ears. I have twice as many ears as I do mouths, so I, I use my ears more now than I use my mouth. And um, and I did everything that the previous speakers have said. I I I put the food down, and the obsession was lifted on December first of 2017. And I um, listened carefully. I was I had cause to go back through my emails and texts recently um, for a text that my sponsor had sent me about what to do, and I noticed that it was um, about 10 days after I after I. Um, or eight days rather after I dialed into vision and um, and I was able to work the steps. And, and you know, I've shared before that um, I didn't think it was going to work. You know, why would I have thought that? I had no reason to think that. All the data that I had was that it didn't work. You know, I've been to various meetings and abstinence, you know, different food plans, different sponsors, a lot of different things. But when I just stopped running, and just listened and just did what I was told without question or excuse or, or anything. Um, I slogged through and I got into a place where my higher power could sort of seep into my life and change everything for me. And that's exactly what's happened. I was just, you know, over the past couple of days, um, I, um, I decided that I was going to leave my job, my, extremely well-paying job and great job, but it's making me incredibly unhappy. And, um, and I made that decision and then tried to unmake it. And then I made it again. And I'm, I'm finally at the place where I can go forward. And the same thing with the food, I had made decisions and unmade them. And finally I get to a place where I can be happy and go forward. And um, I can't say enough about, um, you know, working these steps, completely abstinent you know i i feel like you know no no none of my alcoholic foods exist in my diet at all and um i i too showed signs of like not delirium tremens but i was really ready for the for the mental hospital myself i think and um you know I, all of the things that brought me here are still alive and well but i'm alive and well too and um I can't, if anybody has any Time. questions, thank you, Anita, I'll wrap up. If anybody has any questions or wants to talk about it, give me a call. I'm available. 
thanks so much for letting me share. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks so much, Nancy P. All right. Who would like to share? Can that lady her phone number? Can the lady that well, just spoke hey, with hey, her? Excuse, excuse me, please. She would did that later, all right? I didn't know. I didn't know. Thank you. Okay. Okay. So who's, was that Leia. Ginger C? Leia S. Yes. Leia S. Deborah R. Melissa C. Amy Deborah. G. Deborah R. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Uh, Deborah R. Vasa and, O. And and Amy G. Melissa Vasa C. O. I have you. Oh, but I didn't tell you I did. <laughs> you know, my handwriting is getting worse. Let me see, because I want to make sure I can read these. I thought there was somebody in the beginning with the name Sally, and I thought somebody else. Who, who was that? And then, and then somebody with a C. Okay, well, those two I don't know about. Ginger C. It was Ginger. I thought it was you. Okay, so Ginger C, Leia S, um, Deborah, I think R, Melissa C, and um, Vasa. And anyone else in there? And Amy G. All right, let's go with that. All right, Ginger C, you're up. Good morning. Ginger? Okay, can you hear me? Yes, now I can. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, great, Anita. Thank you so much for your service. One day I am going to get this mute figured out. Um, so I will keep coming back in the meantime. But this is Ginger C, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. And separated from alcohol for the last time. Thank you, God. Oh, what a miracle. And, um, you know, nothing's going to begin until I put whatever I'm using down. And and thank God for the directions in this big book, this entire abstinence piece, because I never saw it. And I know that's a big reason why I kept relapsing over and over I wanted to have my cake and eat it too in OA. I was going to figure out somehow, some way to just keep it involved. You know, one of the hardest components was diet sodas because it's zero calories. So I'm good to go. There's no calories, you know. But anything like that, that sweetener is just way too sweet for this tongue of mine. And it would bring me back repeatedly to the real cane sugar. I was right back where I left off. So thank God for these directions, and thank God he was separated for the last time. And I did not do that separation. It doesn't begin by doing this work, this practical program of action. To me, it began with prayer. First and foremost, the pain, because the pain was convincing me I was really in trouble and I was screwed if I kept eating. It was getting to be a life and death situation. So I said that most desperate prayer, God, help me. And I meant it. And then I was separated in Virginia Beach, unbeknownst to me. This higher power is always blindsiding me. I have no idea what's coming around the corner. And my food was put down at the beginning of that convention. And I had it in my room 
filled, ready to go. I was not planning to attend that weekend. I was planning to eat. As I drove from the airport, I looked at every restaurant on the way as we went and got closer to the hotel. So if you're eating, keep praying because you have no idea how close that fork could be getting put down. And again, nothing can begin if I'm eating because I'm still seeking an effect and that power cannot come in. And then I just get into the action. I put the food down entirely. I follow these clear-cut directions. So simple, out of ideas, willing to go to any length, just listening, following directions. And then this miraculous God continues to unfold. And I just pray my last breath is addiction-free, never saying any of my addictions as any type of solution to life or life's problems. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much. All right, Ginger. Now it's going to be Leah S. Good morning. Thank you so much, Anita. This is Leah S. Recovered in Brooklyn. Very grateful. Um, Well, when I came in here and I started becoming abstinent, I honestly had no idea if I was going to be abstinent the next day because I was the drama queen, if you will. Treatment seems wise. Treatment is a continuous process. It is a continuous learning of these 12 steps. It is so deep. It goes even deeper than deep. Every single day, I find out new things about myself. This is what the program is doing to me. And these are what the 12 steps are doing to me and helping me with every single area of my life. And wow, yes, it was very, very painful. Treatment is important because because I, I finally realized well, how many things I used to eat over. And, uh, oh my goodness, living and truly living is, is not, even exp- <laughs> it's not even explainable. Thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thanks very much, Leah S. Uh, Deborah, I mean, Rebecca, like, who do I mean? Which Deborah, right? It is Deborah R. De- Deborah R. It's my handwriting. It's nothing to do with you. Please go ahead. Okay. Thank you. Um, this is Deborah R. And good morning, everyone. Thank you for um, choosing to live in recovery one day at a time. And if you're just getting here, know that you never have to eat like this again. Or, you know, that, that horrible um, driven um, craving. And at the hospital, I was separated from alcohol for the last time. The treatment seemed wise where I showed signs of delirium tremors. Um, I think of back in the doctor's opinion, and um, at least in the third edition, it's XX and XXI. I remember learning through a vision for you that at the bottom of XX, it said a man's, it is imperative that a man's brain be cleared before he is approached as he then has a better chance of understanding and accepting what we have to offer. 
which is a way of uh, step zero, put down the food. You've got to be um, away from those um, drugs that bind me in bondage. And then on the opposite side of the page, um, how it fell this way in the typeset, I don't know. But of course, an alcoholic ought to be freed from his physical craving for liquor. And this often requires a definite hospital procedure before psychological measures can be of maximum benefit. So it's reinforced that um, the psychic change that's required and seen again three times in the doctor's opinion that of myself, I can't do it. I'm blindsided by a substance for me, sugar and white flour and a few other individual binge foods that I've identified, that I must leave them alone and, and get myself busy working the steps that's into action. It's not into thought or into study, but into action. And I, um, you know, I crave to have the insurance that would send me off for 30 days and give me a head start and make sure my foundation was straight, but it wasn't in my insurance policy. So I am here to say that one day at a time, praying and leaning into my higher power, believing, um, acting as if that one day at a time, I'm very grateful that I gave up those substances and got busy about the big book, worked with a sponsor, and now enjoy a you know long-term recovery of 17 years and with that I pass thank you thank you so much Deborah R all right Melissa C and then it'll be Amy G good morning Melissa hi good morning Anita thank you so much for your service this morning it's Melissa C recovered compulsive overeater in New York and um you know, when I think about, like, being separated from alcohol um, for the last time, um, you know, like, what, first of all, what a miracle that that could happen. And, um, you know, ten, it was about 10 years ago I went to a meeting um, after having been away from OA for many, many years. And um, somebody, you know, approached me at that meeting, like, loving, just a loving person, um, and she saw, you know, like, the desperation in my face, and she came up to me after the meeting, and she said, um, so are you, like, ready to start? And and out of my mouth came yes, and I couldn't believe that um, I said yes. You know, like, I feel like that was God separating me, doing for me what I could could not do for myself, and, you know, because I never started on a, it was a Saturday, who starts on a Saturday, like, I, I always start on Mondays, you know, and that really was God, I, I know that that was God, and, you know, the crazy thing is that I was separated at that moment, um, hopefully for the rest of my life, from a whole array of foods that completely owned me. You know, all the junk food at that moment somehow was removed. And while I still had a lot to learn about what my alcohol was, because um, 
you know, I think for compulsive overeaters, sometimes it's not as clear. It wasn't as clear for me. I had many other foods um, that I needed to be separated from. But at that moment, I was separated from a whole level. And that was God doing for me, came in and helped me. You know, and so, you know, continuing on how I worked this program, um, yes, I needed to get entirely abstinent, and I had a lot to learn about what my alcoholic foods were. Um, and, you know, this hospitalization, this treatment, this definite treatment, while many of us don't go to hospitals, I, I did not go to a hospital. I'm glad Allison mentioned um, this idea. I needed to form my own, create my own kind of hospitalization that, um, you know, not not to put myself in positions where I was subjected to the food. And um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thanks so much, Melissa C. Uh, Amy, Amy G, was this Amy G? Yes. Yes, good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for your service. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Oh, thank you, everyone. What an awesome meeting. I do want to jump on this separated from alcohol. I think it's significant that we, uh, for me, that I understand, you know, these last few paragraphs, Bill has been struggling with his conception of a higher power and, and how he sees God in relationship to his drinking and, and all of that. But the reality is he's still drinking. And it wasn't until he was actually separated from his alcohol that this spiritual awakening or spiritual experience that he, we're going to see him, you know, in the next paragraph, humbly offer himself to God, you know, starts to have an actual impact on his life and his sobriety begins. And I think it's, it's absolutely the same for me. I mean, I spent almost five years bouncing in and out of these rooms, and I learned a lot, and I fought a lot, and I, I, I got some help and things like that, but it wasn't until I was willing to actually humbly surrender to this program and follow the instructions and say, I give of myself, I am powerless over putting binge foods into my mouth, and uh, that, that something started to happen, and I had to be separated. They talk about delirium tremens. I mean, I don't know about you all, but try binging on thousands and thousands of, of, of uh, calories of sugar and then wake up in the morning and see how you feel. I mean, that withdrawal uh, took a, quite a few days for me, as well as cravings that then came upon me usually about 10 days, two weeks after uh, every time that I slipped. You know, this is a physical allergy for me, and I don't think, uh, although the greater aspect is the mental obsession, that the physical allergy is one of great significance as well, and that is why I needed to be separated. And as others have said, this idea of entire abstinence is sometimes a difficult one, and it's very important that we use the tools of the program like a sponsor to understand what abstinence is. For me, I needed an absolute line in the sand. I needed to know, for me, what was the plug in the jug? Well, if I don't know what jug to put that plug in, I'm not going to know what my abstinence was. And so it's very important for me to work with someone to help me understand. Like for me as a bulimic, volume was a huge issue for me. And I needed very hard and fast lines of what abstinence was for me and was not, besides just what my alcoholic foods were, so to speak, exactly, you know, my food ingredients that caused that physical allergy. So that for me was a process. And someone mentioned earlier, you know, these tools. It's not a 12-tool program, but I was not struck abstinent. I don't, you know, I didn't have any wild experience, and I was struggling with my agnosticism throughout. All I knew was that I didn't want to die 
of this disease. So tell me what you did because I wanted what you have. And whom the problem had been solved and had that peace and serenity in their eyes where food wasn't calling them 24-7. So I was willing to follow that. I was willing to follow those instructions, but I didn't know what to do. So I had to ask you all to tell me. And that was get a sponsor, go to meetings, find out what your abstinence is. Do the reading, do the right, do what it is that is necessary to establish a habit of recovery on a daily basis because i got to deal with my mm-hmm. disease every day. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you very much. Thanks very much, Amy G. And Vasa O, you are now up. Yes, thank you, Anita, for your service. And I'm Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive reader, calling from Florida. And... Uh, Oh, my goodness, it's a wonderful paragraph. But, I, you know, again, every paragraph we read, I just I can identify where I have been in my life and doing what I was doing. And, again, I'm just so grateful my higher power, which I didn't even know at that time, sent me Abby to my house like Bill had sent, like Bill had his friend come to visit him. And my Abby, uh, she was a friend of mine, and she 12-stepped me for about a week, a little bit told me about the program, told me about the food, told me, you know, before she took me to my first meeting. I think I was just so sick and tired of being sick and tired, and this disease was getting progressive for me. I I hadn't gained a lot of weight because I was always losing and gaining, losing and gaining, but the top of my weight was like 30 or 35 pounds by, take it before, um, by the time I came to over, it is anonymous, and I just could not diet any longer. I just gave in into the food addiction. I surrendered to the food, you know, and uh, she said to me, I needed to find a power greater than myself if I didn't want to die from this addiction and, and surrender to the 12 steps. And I know it's, that's, it's the paragraph after this, but I was just so ready. I was just so willing. I did not know anything about the allergy. I didn't know anything about the disease. I mean, to me, I was just so grateful to find out I've finally what was wrong with me. After trying to diet for 25 years of my life, and I just could not put the food down. And I was just so ready, and I was willing to surrender and just to say to God, I can't. I, I did get on my knees. I didn't care if she told me uh, to do whatever. I was, I was ready. I got on my knees. If that's what was going to cure me, if that was going to help me, I needed to humble myself and get on my knees because I didn't want to die. And uh, it was from my first meeting that I came to Overeaters Anonymous that I separated myself with that night. I'm going in the bathroom, getting on my knees, and I said, God, I can't, my higher power, God, whatever you want to call it, I can't do this by myself. She said, I've got to forgive you for your sins. I said, okay. I asked God, please help me, and I forgive me for all the sins I committed in my whole lifetime. And that was like, and I heard this voice, voice came in my head. It was towards me to forgive myself, to accept, and, 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 and the honesty, those three small words that I heard, voices that went in my head. Oh, that's my time. And that was the beginning. I wish I could tell you it was easy. The next morning, I was going through the withdrawals. 
I mean, really through the withdrawals. I had a little, some kind of abstinence for about a week, but the next day I had to abstain. And in order for me to do that, I had to be, to work the steps, I had to be clear minded. It was horrible, but I got through one day at a time, one meal at a time. It's by the grace of God, many, many, many years later. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thanks so much, Vasa. All right, let's open it up again. We are at the top of page 13 at the hospital. I will separate just that paragraph. Nancy R. Nancy R. Teresa F. Teresa F. Janice P.M. Janice P.M. Suzanne W. Suzanne W. All right, I'm not sure how much more, so let's let we can always add someone. All right, Nancy R. And then um, uh, go ahead, I, please. Okay, thank you much. My name is Nancy R. I'm indeed a truly grateful recover compulsive overeater. Thank you for your service and to everyone who shared this morning, everyone who makes this wonderful uh, meeting possible. The operative words for me when I read this was for the last time. That tells me that it is possible to stop. Uh, for so many years, and I've been in OA a lot of years, so uh, at the beginning, of, I think it's in the foreword to the second edition, it, ta- it gives the percentage of people that uh, recover immediately and 25% recover after some relapses and then to uh, another 20 another percentage recover I mean get better and so I I had really thought I was among that group that just got better because indeed being in the program I was relieved of relieved of 100 pounds and I was grateful for that but I just could not have any sustained abstinence but reading that, you know, when when I had uh, someone take me through the big book, and I read that, and those words just really, and even when I read them today, reading them today for the last time, that's like a mantra. I don't have to do it. I can have a last time, too. And I pray to God I've had a last time. Uh, if I continue to do today what I did yesterday, and that is to work this program as it is outlined, in this wonderful book, and, and have an experience that psychic change, I too can say it was the last time. I can't become cocky. I just have to uh, do what I do every day, and uh, I don't have to worry about relapse. That this program is not a, doesn't promise me that I will relapse. It promised me that I can recover. So thank you for letting me share. I'll pass. Thanks so much, Nancy R. And Teresa, was it S as in Sam? Good morning. Yes, it's Teresa S as in Sam. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, okay. Uh, hi, I'm Teresa S from North Dakota, um, an overeater. I am still a little unused to sharing at this meeting. Um, I'm kind of used to a more face-to-face meeting, but I I genuinely appreciate everybody who shares and who's on this line. It has helped save my life, I truly believe. Um, When I read this section, 
um, at the hospital, I was separated from alcohol for the last time. It kind of, I was an alcoholic or am an alcoholic. And that is what initially brought me to the point of, or so I thought, of absolute desperation, you know, the suicidal thoughts. I was just, I was done. I didn't want to live anymore. But once I quit the alcohol, it didn't take very long for the food to start surfacing. And I didn't understand it. At first, I was like, oh, you know, who, I didn't really care, I should say, you know, because I thought it was better than drinking, you know, because you could, couldn't drink at work and it'd be okay, but I sure could stuff my face with chocolate and that was more okay. So for me, the food was a little sneakier. It was hidden underneath the more obvious alcoholism. But once the alcohol was gone and I tried to go through these steps, you know, I, things weren't quite clicking because I was still in that alcoholic state of mind. I was still using. And it wasn't until I learned to, to put the food down that I felt better. I call it my true sobriety. You know, I have my alcohol sobriety, but the true, real, deep down to my soul sobriety is when I put the food down. And not just the dieting part of it, because I had dieted for so long, you know, tried many different things. I had, was stuck in that, you know, for at least a month or so trying to diet. But once I realized this, you know, it clicked and I actually put the food down and was abstinent, that's when I felt for the first time true release. And I am very grateful for it. Um, and I do also love this part for the last time because then, like like the gal before me had said, you know, it means that I can have a last time too and I don't have to keep repeating that. You know, I tripped over the first step for 20-some years, you know, and it brought me to some of the lowest points of my life, but I don't have to do that anymore. So I'm just very grateful for that and grateful for the meeting, and with that, I'll pass. Thanks so much, Teresa S. All right, Janice P.M. and then Susan W. Good morning. Well, good morning to you, Anita J. Yes, this is Janice P.M., and I'm a grateful recovered compulsive overeater. You know, we've read the doctor's opinion before Bill's story, and uh, it emphasizes in five places. See, when Bill, now, of course, he's writing, you know, he's given a vivid account of his life. So, but in the doctor's opinion, he states five times, five different times, five different pages that we must, we must put down the food prior to embarking on the steps in order to be clear, in order to be uh, understanding of the steps. Now, of course, as a real compulsive overeater, I tried my way all kinds of way. And I've read this book and studied this book, but there would be one line and I would zoom in on it if it told me like it did on page... um, uh, XXVI that more often than not, more often than not, well, of course, I spread that and I said, hmm, more often than not means I might be in that 50% that I don't need to put the food down. You know, that's where that theory came that, oh, you can do the steps and then get recovered like in the fourth or fifth step, like some people said they did. But I don't believe, this is just my own opinion, that they aren't a real compulsive overeater because, you know, I tried that. Well, okay, if they did it and they can eat ice cream after the fourth and fifth step, blah, blah, blah. I wanted to believe just that little, little sentence I zoomed in. Yet, 
then I discarded everything that Dr. Silkworth said. Not true. Not true. Not true. I'm a real compulsive overeater with the allergy of the body. When I ingest something, <laughs> it's like, well, I won't do, you know, I'll just have one shot of heroin and then I'll go and do the steps. Well, I don't know anybody that's on heroin or anything else that wants to do the steps. I mean, after all, the, the fourth step, there's nothing wrong with me. So uh, I'm convinced, and so was Bill. He was convinced this is the last time surrender, put the food down, put the alcohol down, and then before going into the steps, and then do the actions. And you know what? Here I am to tell you testimony that I tried it and it worked. It never worked the other way with that theory you can eat until, you know, it just didn't work for me. Um, and, uh, and we're going to see how it works for Bill. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thanks. Thanks very much, Janice PM. Good morning, Suzanne W. You are up. Good morning, Anita. Thank you so much for your service. This is Suzanne W. from Virginia, uh, gratefully recovered one day at a time. Um, I have not shared on this meeting for a very long time, and my sponsor suggested that perhaps I would might want to share. And when I read the paragraph that we're, that we're going to share on today, I kind of panicked and thought, oh, I can't relate to that. But then I prayed about it, and I realized I certainly can relate to that. Um, I have been in this program for a very, very long time, over 35 years or more, many, many relapses, um, many um, times I wanted to just give up. And um, what, I, what I realized as I was praying this morning is that um, I used to always relate to Chapter 5 and how it works, where it said, really, have we seen a person fail um, who has the capacity to be rigorously honest? And that, I thought, that's me. I cannot be honest. I've never been honest in my life. Um, but then at the end it says, but we can recover if we have the capacity to be honest. And so I've been sort of thinking about that and realizing that all the years in the program and all my years of relapses, um, I truly had not been, been honest. And it wasn't until, well, over four years ago when uh, I had just gotten down my goal weight, lost 110 pounds, got down my goal weight, thought I had it made, um, but knew that it was just a matter of time before I relapsed. And a good friend in an uh, in-person meeting suggested that I listen to Vision for You. And I started listening to it, and got myself a wonderful sponsor and I have to tell you my life has been so different since then not perfect by any means not by any means um, but just just the willingness to to follow the directions the way they're written in the big book and to just do it one day at a time and and not um, try to be perfect um, I just it has completely changed my life this program a vision for you it has completely changed my life and um, when, when I was reading the paragraph about showed signs of delirium tremens, tremens, I never had that, but I think back to how many times I wake up in the morning with a terrible headache after eating sugar, mounds of sugar, um, groggy, irritable, just almost not able to function, and I never saw anything about it. Um, but that was like the DTs. That was like the DTs. So it's kind of interesting. Like, I think I could relate to this paragraph, but... God has a way of saying, yes, you can. So I just wanted to share that with you, and I'm so, so grateful for all of you who do the service in this program. And with that, I will pass. Thank you so much, Suzanne W. 
Well, we have come to the end of this time of sharing. So I want to thank everyone who uh, shared their recovery this morning. And uh, please stay tuned for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And today's uh, share ID for Tuesday, September uh, 12th, the 7 a.m. meeting is 12,648-12648. And we'll now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And will Rebecca please um, read a vision for you? Uh, Good morning. This is Rebecca F. from Connecticut. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if our own house is in order, but obviously... You cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.